Welcome to Mia Lux and Love, brought to you by Lavette, an intentional dating platform for software singles. And today we're talking all about dating platforms, dating apps, dating sites, specifically all the ones that have existed before before Lavette. The reason why I built Lavette was, you know, when I got single and I jumped on those systems, I, I was horrified horrified but what they've done to love and so Levette has been you know created as a conscious response to so much of the dysfunction I saw but of course listen like millions upon millions upon millions of people are using these systems and it, they have impacted and changed the way that we meet and date and love and so it would be remiss to talk about love and dating without really addressing the technological aspect now my guest today, Odara Fernando, is the perfect person to answer this question because he really comes from a, a computer science background. He has a, a BS and an MS in computer science from Stanford. And you know he is an entrepreneur and an angel investor who is really passionate about working in the space of relationships and helping people create more fulfilling relationships. He was actually, before the pandemic hit, he was the founder of a company called Dating by Design, where it was a service that helped people apply engineering principles to the dating process. Because yeah, even though we think of relationships, we think about the soft skills like communication and you know how we sort of engage around that relatedness. The truth is that before we can even get to that these days, we have to fight our way through the technology, <laughs> through the overwhelming amount of choice, through the you know the algorithms that work against us through you know, the fact that we can only see pictures of each other to the endless matching and not chatting and the, you know what it's like. So I'm very excited today to dive in and ask this question from someone who could really tell us the answer. Do the dating apps set us up to fail? Well, thank you so much for jumping on to explore this question with me. Like do dating apps set us up to fail? Because, you know, anyone who's been single and dating will realize that, of course, there's magic and luck involved when it comes to finding somebody. But these days, we're actually interfacing with serious systems. And, you know, there are, I think, aspects to this that we don't know so much about and don't think so intelligently about. And so super curious, do they set us up to fail or or are they setting us up to win? What do you think? Well, I think it depends on what your point of view is. So I'm going to look at this from the point of view of wanting to be in a long-term healthy relationship. And I think from that vantage point, dating apps are not doing us any favors. Um, like you said, we're interfacing with technology and the people designing that technology, the user experience, the user interface, they have a lot of power. Um, and what we don't really realize is that the app that presents us with the most choices or the one that is the most addictive is not necessarily the one that's most empowering for us. It's not the one that is really aligned with what our goals are. So um, I think, you know, when the swipe apps show us a sea of faces um, with maybe a short blurb behind them to, um, to like, you know, make our decisions on like where to swipe, who to swipe right on or who to swipe left on. We become hypersensitive to appearances, say. Um, and is that really correlated with long-term relationship success? Not really. Um, what you want to know is like, is this person kind? Are they generous? Like, are they self-aware? Are they empathic? Um, and these things are, granted, they're really hard to measure, but I feel like dating apps aren't even trying to 
you know, elicit these qualities in people. And they're really setting us up to make decisions based on things that are not really that important. Where someone went to school, where someone is working, how tall they are. That's one of my pet peeves, the height thing. Um, yeah, and these things are are not serving us. It so is, it's very it's interesting really... when you think about it from a perspective of, like you said, there are actually some predictable sort of, I'd say, features of a relationship that make it work, right? Like there's so many amazing studies done on what make relationships work. And they do come down to these kinds of characteristics like kindness and communication. So much of what is intangible. And I always mm -hmm. laugh because one, one of the things I've done with a lot of my friends, they ask them, think about your last few serious relationships. Now, and most of them people are like, oh, well, I met them through friends of friends or at school or whatever. I said, mm -hmm. now imagine that you saw their picture and their stats on a dating app. Would you have swiped on them? And inevitably people will crack out laughing because they actually realize that, gosh, so much of the time, like we have a mental perception of what we think we want, which is what the apps are playing on. This, mm -hmm. this type of look, this symmetrical, this tall, this thing. But then if you look at your actual relationship history of what works, people don't necessarily conform to those like really strict parameters, right? Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you talk a lot about that, just mentioning the whole thing of the abundance of options. There's this interesting debate I kind of go back and forth on, on is having more options necessarily better? Like is having access to everyone better or does that make it harder for us? I'm curious what you've found in your experience. Yeah, I think it really can. It sounds good in theory, um, but it can really work against you because you feel like you have this plethora of options and you become hypersensitive on these traits that, um, you know, the apps are presenting us with that don't really matter that much. Like people are like, oh, his smile is a little bit crooked, so I'm going to swipe left on that person. But really, in the in the greater context, like, is that really that important? Of course not. It doesn't matter. Um but, but that's yeah, the only so, data they're giving us, right? It's like yeah, the, only the only data we have is picture yeah. caption. That's what we're comparing. We're essentially comparing pictures and like a cute caption or not cute caption, depending. Exactly. Um, which I always say like the most important decision of our lives, like what right. poor data to make a decision on, right? Yes, yes. So instead of a sea of options, instead of the app saying like, here's a million people, our work here is done, you figure it out from here. It would be so much nicer if there was more guidance or at least more rich data for us to make a call on when it comes to these things. Like, I don't know about you, but I would prefer a few great options to a million mediocre ones. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, speaking of what great options are, it's like understanding that people are different. What they're looking for is different. And it's, mm. you know, thinking about not just assessing options in front of you, but understanding yourself better. One of the things I love, and I know you've been a dating coach, I know, you know, a lot of the work that you do is in this area and investing in companies that help people learn more about what they're looking for in relationships and get the guidance they need for it. Uh, and, you know, so much of finding the right relationship is understanding yourself. So oh, it's, yeah. I can see how, like, with the dating apps, they kind of, they feel a lot like social media. I, I always call it, like, the Instagram of love, right? <laughs> and you're in this kind of system which is designed to, like, spike your dopamine and get you addicted. Um, but, you know, if you look at it, one of the things that really... I think really disturbed me when I got single was realizing that people who go on dating apps, like your self-esteem dips, they're seeing this, like, like how people experience often like a self-esteem dip if they're on Instagram or social media, you know, mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. into this kind of space where there's such uh, comparison and kind of this feeling of 
the, the choice, the paradox of choice and the overwhelm, it actually makes us feel worse about ourselves and worse about love, right? So yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a world of micro rejections, right? Like, first of all, we get anchored on like, who's matching and like, who's not matching? Oh, oh my God, I haven't gotten a match in like five days. What's wrong with me? And even after you match, it's like, maybe they don't message you or you message them and they don't message back. That's another micro rejection. Um, so yeah, the whole pipeline of the dating like user experience is filled with these kind of death by a thousand cuts for yourself. No, and like and so everyone like hardens their heart. Like it's one of those yes, things. Yes, like, which is the opposite of what you should be well, doing. You try to like yourself. share and connect and be vulnerable, but instead yeah. you're in a system which is like you're always like protecting yourself against the feeling. Now, I know you've worked, you know, as a dating coach, helping people uh, to get them the best out of their dating lives, you know, considering that there have been these tools that we've all been kind of driven into using, you know, the dating sites, the dating apps. Um, you know, as you know, I've built Levette, which I built as an alternative to this, as a conscious response to what I was struggling with. But, you know, like for the most part, the last of five years, the dating apps and sites have become our tools. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear if you would mind sharing um how first of all how do you how do you teach people to understand what they're dealing with when it comes to a dating app because one of the reasons we get hurt is we take everything so personal we think oh the reason why is because i'm not good enough i'm not attractive enough i'm not interesting enough um versus understanding maybe all the different factors at play when you enter a platform like that so i'm curious yeah. how you discuss that and, and and teach your clients about it yeah that's a that's a great question i mean one thing is you know, understanding the economics of dating platforms, right? Like, what are they trying to maximize versus what are you trying to maximize? Um, dating apps, you know, if they if their goal was to really find the best partner for you and they could reliably do that, you know, they would charge you $100,000 to enter the platform. You'll be out of there in a week with your perfect match. End of story. Um, but as it is, like dating apps can do that. They present you with a sea of options. What they're actually incentivized to do is to maximize the engagement, to like, like keep you coming back, which is kind of a perverse thing, right? Like you don't want to keep coming back. Everybody is on the app to delete the app, right? Not to be on there forever. So like kind of looking at it from that from that perspective is is enlightening, I think, to some people, this understanding kind of the economic incentives involved and who's the real user, like who's, who, like whose best interests are at heart here. Um, and then from that kind of shifting to, okay, there, there are these tools, these are the tools that we have, dating apps aren't gonna go away. How do we manage our experience? How do we have agency over what we're doing on these apps? And you touched on um, a few great things that I work on with my clients. One is looking at their past relationships and really getting specific about what they're looking for. Um, not in theory, but like, hey, when you were in this relationship for two months with this person, how did that person make you feel? What was what about their temperament did you like? Did you not like? What about their lifestyle, career? All these things that I know you guys um, are doing at are like kind of um, doing at Lavette uh, by by asking these tough questions about hey what do you like and what you don't like about your lifestyle your love life your career i think like getting really deep into those and actually listing them out in a spreadsheet with weights and i then... love like spreadsheets and <laughs> dating and love and sex i love it it was just like spreadsheets for love and dating and sex i'm like yes absolutely <laughs> yes. like yes. think about it you would never start a company 
without like mapping things out, thinking, yes. having intentions, but like how willing we are to just like, eh, like fall into a relationship and then wonder why we're falling into the same dysfunctional dynamic over and over exactly. again. <laughs> you get these patterns and you're just not aware of them. Yeah, exactly. Like you need the vision, you need the romance, sure, but you also need the structure and the plan like it's a combination of, of the strategy and the tactics so, so you get your people clear first on like what like what their patterns are like being more aware of what how they've been what works what doesn't work so mm -hmm. that they have a good kind of like self-inventory of what what they're looking for yeah it's a combination of self-awareness and and partner awareness right like what they're like how they show up in relationships and how they would like their partner to show up in the relationship and once they're clear on that, so like I think having clarity is great because then you have some kind of a north star to, to navigate the overwhelming amount of humans and stimulus you'll get on a dating side dating app. Is there, are there any like approaches to using these systems that will like help you be more effective and actually sort of achieve what you are trying to achieve versus achieve what the dating system is trying to achieve, which is to keep you perpetually single? <laughs> Ironically. Yeah. <laughs> um yes there are so one thing i one thing that that my clients soon realize is that they shouldn't be as picky with the photos as they're being so I always, no i just teach my friends i'm like guys it's like whatever your version i was like it's like a solid six i'm like you understand that so much of what makes a person attractive is who they are and that's always like think about the people you think are like just the best humans, gorgeous, delicious, you love them. Now go look at their pictures and be like, oh, like it's like so much about how we perceive beauty is actually through the knowingness, right? So yes, I always say to my friends, look at the picture, but imagine that they are the most amazing man with or woman with all the qualities that you've been looking for. And now look yeah. at them, ask yourself, would you date them? And they're always like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, that's and great. I, I, love, I love that exercise. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, less picky on the yes, less picky on the symmetry, less picky on the lighting, on the background, like whatever. Just like let it go, just ease up on that. Yes. And then really, you know, pay more attention to the bio. You know, if somebody like a lot of people don't have bios, that makes it really easy. Filter those out. Um, <laughs> uh, but for the people that do have bios, you know, look at the words they're using. If they're using words like, and this goes into some of Helen Fisher's work on the you know, the, the neurobiology of love. Um, you know, she talks about how some people are dopamine driven and some people are serotonin driven and the dopamine driven people are more explorers and the serotonin driven people are more builders and community makers. So if you're looking for someone that's more of an explorer, then look for things like adventure, spontaneity, um, you know, words of this flavor in their profile. And on the on the flip side, if you're looking for someone you know, who, who you want to like start a family and like put down roots and move to the suburbs. Like then... me, I'm like on a Sunday morning, I'm clear. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get up and go on a bicycle. I want to get up, have a cup of coffee and cuddle. Like I'm definitely yeah. serotonin. <laughs> exactly. So if you're looking for someone else who's serotonin, then stay away from the people who are like adventure, um, extreme sports, right? Like, um... what about on your own profile as well? Like, I know this has become somewhat of an art. Like there's mm -hmm. an the art of like filtering out people to figure out filter in filter out um yes. but i think one of the biggest things people struggle with is you know communicating who they are effectively so that other people can see who they are especially like you know the complaint around pictures again the frustration okay. of feeling reduced to these kinds of like 
heavily filtered selfies and and trying to you know really signal accurately but attractively who you are as a person how do you help your clients around making those decisions yeah i mean i do we have to we have to work on pictures right like it is just the water that we're swimming in if you don't have good pictures people aren't going to get to your bio that's just the reality with the what, and what counts as a good picture um, fish, please gentlemen what's that no, no fish, fish. Like... yes <laughs> no gym selfies i mean um yeah so there are these like kind of well-known rules about like what's a good picture and what's not a good picture like you know stay away from selfies in general i would say um and you know have good lighting make sure you have like a your picture should tell a story of some sort right like it should be you playing pickleball if that's something that you're into um it should be you know you should have a nice headshot where you're looking at the camera you should have a body shot so people can tell what they're looking at so there are these kinds of general rules that at this point, I think everybody knows about, right? Like, I think we all know know what constitutes a good picture, but still people don't really, don't focus on these or they, you know, they turn their nose up at it because it's it's it shouldn't be important. But the thing is they are important because that's how the apps work. And if you want to work with the apps and you kind of have to follow these things. So start with that, have good pictures. And then on the bio, like really tell a story, really tell a story about who you are, what matters to you. like. You know, for me, I love to see something about how someone has a ritual of going mountain biking every Saturday and they'll like bike to a little beach somewhere and journal while watching the waves roll in. And, you know, just like something that will capture someone's imagination, I think is really important. And that tells a lot about you, like things like that, more so than saying like, oh, I work as a partner at a hedge fund. And no, whatever. Like that doesn't really say anything about you, really, about what it would no, be. Like I love that. The difference between like, yeah, like telling the story of who you are versus like mm -hmm. essentially like a, a resume description, right? And yeah, that's yeah. part of what's hard because I always think like, think about when you're looking at someone else's profile, like what you're trying to understand about them. And yeah, you know, it's stuck so much on like the, the resume vibe versus who is this person? Like, who are they as a human or what is something special or interesting about them? Yep, and then yep. what, and what about then like, you know, say you've got your profile, you've got your, you've got your system for filtering people in, filtering people out. Like you said, a lot of these systems are just, you have to deal with a lot of those, what you call those micro rejections. There's a mm -hmm. lot of friction. There's a lot of social friction. There's a lot of disappointment. I mean, I mean, I was reading through recently, like the stats on whether it's like ghosting or verbal abuse or scamming, like $560 million lost in America to online dating scams last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like, and like fake profiles. And I mean, there's so much, there's so much to like navigate through, you know, before we even can have a connection. How do you teach your clients to hold that while still feeling optimistic and fun and being willing to keep their hearts open and connect? Yeah, I think so. The people I generally work with don't actually like to go on dates. <laughs> so we really index on the filtering part. How do you get people that are not good fits for you out of the pipeline as soon as possible? And one thing I always tell my clients to do, even pre pandemic, was, you know, do a phone screen or a Zoom screen. Yes. Oh my God. We call them, we have a system in, in Levet. We built it, we systematized it. We call it the virtual vibe check. The we vibe say, check. will yeah. you ever meet someone in person? You book a virtual vibe check. It's a 15 minute quick, because like you can tell on camera so quickly or even just on audio. 
if there's a, if there's some kind of vibe or this is someone you actually want to try spend an hour with and have a coffee right so it's so much richer than reading someone's profile right like why, and hearing their why voice, doesn't everyone do this <laughs> i mean hearing their voice i mean i think i really i really believe as well that you know we talk about like the data that's given to us in the system an image caption even just seeing someone on camera for like two or three minutes and seeing how they move and their voice like we're very good at looking at the non-verbal cues and sensing mm -hmm. if there's a type of attraction or sensing if there's something there. Like there are, there are people that I look at their picture and I'm like, I have no idea if I'm into this person or not, but if I see them, maybe the way that they hold themselves, the way they speak. And then I'm like, wow, actually, no, I am interested in this person. Or yeah. I, might, I remember once I had, I, I spoke to this guy and he was like super hot. I was like, Oh, I'm so into this. He was really great chatting. I followed my rule. I jumped on a video call and we jumped on and like, I couldn't stand his, the way his energy and the way he, he was like, he was too much like me. He was like, <laughs> and I was like, we could be great friends, but a terrible match romantically, but I would uh -huh. never have known. And I would have turned up that date and been like, within three seconds, I would have been like, oh, crap, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. And think of all the makeup money that you save right i always say like never ever put on pants to meet someone until you <laughs> like save yourself the whole rigmarole of like getting dressed and catching the uber and the this and the that you know just just for that immediate moment of like ah i could have known this in five minutes on a call yeah okay, yeah so and the other... through that too. that's awesome yeah that's great and the, what what happens through this is when someone passes the vibe check right and you're actually at a point where going to where you're going to like meet them in real life or something. You're so much more excited, right? You and, already and know. No, this is a reasonable like, person. You'll invest, right? Like you actually invest. Like I, I, my girlfriends often ask me, like, "Wow, how do? Why are you going on these first dates that are like dinner and a show and like all like mm -hmm. a picnic? Like, isn't that risky?" And I was like, "No, no, no." I was like, "I did a vibe check with them." And what was going to be like a 10, 15 minute vibe check turned into like an amazing one hour long FaceTime. We got to know each other. We're really excited. And so now we're both so excited. We get to have a real first date like we used yes. to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am known for the six hour first date. And the reason that happens is because of that vibe check is because I'm already excited. I know we have rapport. When we go into the date, we're already kind of friends, right? Like we know something real about each other. Like we've done some you know, mutual self-disclosure. We've been maybe been vulnerable with each other about something. Yeah. So doing that vibe check, being intentional about it, like asking real questions during during that process, like I think it really sets us up for success. And it that's what, you know, those kinds of experiences help us keep going through the morass of micro rejections on the apps. And and when when people are sort of setting this call up, because I think I've heard from my friends that they don't know how to ask for a video call because they're afraid it's going to sound weird or they're how do you how do you how have you taught your clients to like say hey let's jump on a call like do you have any key ideas around like phrasings a way to do it with, so people could not feel so weird or you know I know it's better yeah. now with COVID but it's still people still have a thing about it yeah yeah Pan the pandemic has normalized some of this stuff now but um yeah I just say keep it really casual like hey Enjoying the convo, would love to get to know you better. Um, are you up for jumping on a video call sometime? Easy, so easy. easy. And it saves you so much time. And you're right, I think so much of the wear and tear of dating is the, the effort to reward ratio can feel really out of whack. And especially if you've gone to an actual date and your real dates are, you know, it's high energy, high investment, high friction. And if the hit rate feels really low, it feels really discouraging. Yes. I yeah. love that, I love that technique. Um, 
So one more question about the dating apps then. If there is, if there's one other little tip or piece of advice you'd give people to make the most out of using those systems, what would it be? Um, I would say really, and this is hard to do because these apps are designed to be very addictive. They're designed to like hijack our nervous systems. So, but I would say really control the amount of time that you spend on them. Um, and this is a little bit easy with apps like The League and with Coffee Meets Bagel because at a certain time of day, they'll give you the potential uh, matches and you know you can set your alarm and go on them and like swipe, 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 and then you're done for the day. Um, but other things like other apps like Tinder and Bumble, like, you know, it's a continuous sea of faces. So it's the onus is on you. But I think, yeah, if you can, if you can find a way to manage the amount of time to set aside maybe a 15 minute block every day where you check your apps and you like, you know, interact with them, I think that also would be, it would be really helpful for you in terms of managing um, the, the energy expenditure. That makes a lot of sense. I, was, I saw that like it's people spend an average of 90 minutes a day when they're single on apps. And I know when I first read that, up. It really I was like, way. but I remember being single and like, it's addictive. And you keep thinking, well, what if, what if my person's like one swipe away? Like what, yes. if, they're, what if they're in the next 10 minute batch? Like I should just keep going. And we can't, you know, it's not our fault. The, there, there are teams and teams of people behind these apps that are designing them to be extremely addictive. So it's an uphill battle for us, but we, you know, I think we, if we're really intentional about it, then we can manage it a little bit. 90 minutes, yeah, that, that's a lot. It adds up, right? The 10 minutes here, five minutes there, it adds up during the day. Yeah, and if you're like late at night and you're just kind of in your bed and very quickly, 20 minutes, half an hour can go by swiping on those yeah. systems. And, yeah. and again, like, it's funny because I, if that was actually helpful, that'd be one thing, but very quickly there's that overwhelm that feeling of like I don't know if I can make another decision like I remember once like staring at this one profile being like I was just out of decision making juice and I couldn't figure out like I was like and I was like but what if he's my future husband I'm not yeah. qualified to make this decision like the pressure the pressure just, debilitating right it's debilitating. Yeah, it's, like, oh. uh, it's actually funny I know with the paradox of choice they say that humans like choice but they like like eight good choices few choices yeah you know, not not like Three hundred thousand. Yeah. Like wow. <laughs> I will, uh, one last question. Um, if there's one thing you could teach every single person out there around the world about love and sex and dating that could change the world, what would it be? So, there's a book that I have all my clients read. It's called Attached, um, and it's about finding out what your attachment style is and kind of how to work um, with your attachment style. And I think this is. As far as like simple, powerful models go that really make a difference in dating and relationships, I think this is really one of them. So I would encourage everybody to read this book, Attached. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much. And before we go, tell us a little bit about um, Ritual, which I know this is a new project that you're working with. Yeah, so Ritual is a relational wellness company. They're based out of Israel and um, they just launched a few months ago. They are seeking to democratize access to couples therapy. So traditional couples therapy is right now, it's hard to onboard. It's really, really expensive. Like, you know, only a few, a handful of people can afford it. 
And um, everything about the experience of couple therapy feels quite antiquated. So what Ritual is trying to do is to like modernize this, bring technology into the mix, drop the price point to like tens of dollars instead of hundreds of dollars so more people can afford it. Um, and yeah, really kind of make a meaningful difference in supporting us in having great relationships, which I think is incredibly important for the world. Amazing. Well, uh, for all those who are listening, those that love you are single, I know that, but when you're in a relationship, if you're looking for help, now you know where to go to get good access. And again, thank you so much for joining us and for all the work you're doing in the world, helping people learn and love better. Thank you so much, Mia. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining and listening to this conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you are single and you are ready for something better, do check out what I've built with Livet. We're offering a free month trial and you can get a real sense for you know how this is such a different kind of platform. It's 100% video, 100% vetted, like actual background checks, and 0% beggars. We've even built in an amazing automated anti-ghosting system. I really designed Livet as a conscious response to so much of, you know, I'd say the disruptive and antisocial behaviors I saw in dating. And so this is an amazing virtual social club where you can meet and play with people who are on the same page, playing by the same rules. It is so much fun inside. So if you're single and want to check it out, make sure you go to the show notes below and start your application. 